Welcome to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. On today's show, we will recap the 19-point win over Tulsa. We'll be joined by C.J. Moore, who covers college basketball for The Athletic. We'll also get you ready for this week's matchups at Memphis and home against USF. Great show coming up right after this. Welcome to the Talk Angry Podcast, your destination for Wichita State Shocker basketball. Join us every episode from the Forge Audio Production Studio as we dive into game recaps, analysis, and interviews. And now, here are your hosts, Dustin Coon and Taylor Eldridge. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. Just one game to recap this past week as the game at SMU was postponed. The Shockers do take down Tulsa 72-53 to at home. Morris Udeze and uh, Tyson Etienne both have 20 points each for the Shockers. Tulsa had won six straight. So Wichita State beat Tulsa on the road down in Tulsa. Tulsa had got hot, came in uh, you know, right in line with the Shockers in the standings, and they easily take care of business with this 19 point win your thoughts on the game taylor yeah i mean if you would have watched it you would just thought you know business as usual for wsu against tulsa at coke arena you know they've they beat them every every time they played there since i believe 2001 and uh, usually had a pretty easy time of it and uh, i don't know what it is but it just seems like they've always done well against that that tulsa zone you think back to the the first game of the First game of the the, the series, um, you know, WSU comes out and it hits, I think, seven first half threes. They get up big, and uh, they really made that that zone defense, that matchup zone, look bad. And uh, that was the case here in the second time too. I mean, you look at the ball movement. The and I I think this is a credit to uh, Coach Brown and the coaching staff for really uh, drilling that down in, in practice because that was something that WSU had really struggled with was that off ball movement. You know, cutting with purpose. Uh, setting screens with purpose, you know, the offense at times, it looked a little lackadaisical. So um, I thought against Tulsa, you know, the ball was whipping around the perimeter. The, you know, the the screens were, were on point, you know, they were moving without the ball and they got a lot of wide, wide open shots. I mean, I thought Tyson Etienne, I mean, he could have had 30 with uh, some of the looks. I think he was a little surprised with how open he was. And, you know, for a guy that's uh, you know, just blowing up and become a legitimate star. I mean, it's not very often you're going to get, you know, three or four or five, you know, just wide open, no one around you three is like he did against Tulsa. And, you know, that's something that they really uh, pride themselves in. So really impressive performance by WSU. Things got a little shaky there in the second half. I think the lead got all the way down to four. But then, you know, WSU responds, uh, you know, like a, a good team would and, and puts that game away. And, um that was one of the things that we had talked about was closing out games, and they had kind of let opponents stick around and erase leads and make things a little more interesting than they should have been, and you thought that was going to be another case against Tulsa, but you know WSU puts their foot down. I think they ended that game on a huge run um, to win by 19, so that, that definitely looks good in the advanced stats, and uh, we'll move them up in all those analytical sites too, getting a, a win like, like that. Um, over a really good team by 19 points. The Shockers made a season-high 11 three-pointers. They were plus 12 at the foul line. You mentioned the success they've had in Wichita. They've won nine straight over Tulsa in Wichita. They're 7-1 and one against the Golden Hurricane since joining the AAC. The other big storyline in this game was, of course, the play of Morris Udeze. He was named the AAC uh, Player of the Week today, and I believe you have a story coming out at Kansas.com about this season and, and really uh, stepping into that role that we all thought he— he had the chance to, but but maybe hadn't seen much of it here until of late. Yeah, it's uh, kind of a story of perseverance, and uh, you know, you look you look back at his freshman year. He actually, you know, had some starts or was playing a pretty big role for WSU, and then you know has those uh, that shoulder injury that really hampered him and ended his season. I think in, in like February that first year, and had surgery and uh, didn't come back until basically the end of uh, end of the summer. So he really didn't get any kind of you know, preparation leading up into that sophomore year and then uh, then the emergence of uh, Jaime Echenique. So, I mean, he has to sit behind Echenique for a whole year and probably didn't get to play as much as he wanted. And I think that was a big part of why he put his name into the transfer portal was, I mean, he was just kind of unhappy with playing time and uh, he wanted to go somewhere where he could, you know, play a lot of minutes. And I think, uh, you know, looking at all the, you know, options that he had, he, he 
kind of considered everything and said, okay, I have a chance to come back to WSU and, and really prove myself. And, uh, I mean, he knew what the situation was coming into that. I mean, they didn't take on any recruits at center. So he knew it was just going to be him, poor bear and Joseph fat. So, uh, he liked, uh, you know, um, you know, the, the chances that he had at, at contributing and, and here we are, you know, it's uh, such an impressive, uh, a uh, feat for him because you know there are times even this season where I thought he looked you know a little lost a little like the game was a little too fast for him and uh, I, he's still struggling a little bit with his turnovers but man he has really really improved with finishing inside uh, getting big um, defensive rebounding is something we've you know talked about all season with the the center position they were just you know abysmal numbers for the first you know seven or eight games of the year and then. Uh, you know, season season best eight defensive rebounds for for Udesi. I think the the season high before that was three. So that kind of shows you know just how poor the rebounding effort had been. Um, so for him to get eight, to get a career high twenty against Tulsa, I uh, really took advantage of that matchup zone like we talked about. Uh, they don't always put their biggest guy in the center, and sometimes they play with you know uh, basically three or four guards and then a, a forward at, at the five spot. So he really took advantage of his size advantage down there and capitalized on it and man what a turnaround at the free throw line too this is a guy who every time he got fouled you're just thinking oh man that's you know that's a wasted possession almost I mean we'll be lucky if he makes one now he's like the best free throw shooter on the team almost he's he's shooting uh 80 I think 82 plus percent now and uh it's just really turned I mean this is a guy that was shooting below 50%, I think 46% last year. So that's just, that kind of turnaround is just un, unheard of um, to be able to add almost 40 points to your uh, shooting, foul shooting. So um, just really impressive, the offseason work that he's done. I talked to a bunch of his trainers down in Houston, uh, the work that he did this offseason. And uh, yeah, they I mean, they obviously, they, they saw this coming. They think that he's a really, really talented player that's always been capable of it. Just a matter of finally putting it together, and man, if he can, if he can be that kind of threat for WSU, that's all that they've needed was you know someone that can be a threat inside. When with their guard play, this this could be a pretty special team if Udeze keeps it up. He scored 38 points over the last two games. Another thing that we've talked about is he's really been the beneficiary of the guards driving to the basket more, particularly Altariq Gilbert, Craig Porter Jr. We've seen Tyson do it at times. You know, because the Shockers have such good guards, when they take off towards the basket, they're drawing the defense in, and then they're able to lay it off to Morris for, you know, easy uh, uh, layups or dunks mm-hmm. at times. Yeah, you're seeing uh, Altreet Gilbert do that, especially. I mean, he's so good at breaking down defenses and and uh, attracting help, and uh, he's very good at those layoff passes. And yeah, you're you're seeing a lot of success with Mo, uh, kind of at the dunker spot, which is uh, you, you just kind of uh, you know stay on the baseline and uh, just outside of the the paint. And when someone drives in, obviously your man's going to have to go help and uh, you know stop them from getting a layup and. Uh, they call it the dunker spot because when the guard lays it off, I mean that's a step in dunk for a lot of uh, a lot of centers, and you're seeing Mo do that a lot more now. And um, he had a really nice Altery Gilbert had a really nice feed, no look pass, where that led to him getting a dunk and a foul. So um, yeah, you're seeing him have success there. You're seeing him success running the floor, just beating uh, opponents down the court. Uh, if you'll remember, Tyson Etienne had a really nice no look dime to Mo in transition at the end of that game. And it was because Mo sprinted the floor and got down there before uh, the Tulsa big man. So uh, he's really uh, setting himself up for a lot of easier points instead of, you know, backing people down, trying to finish over length. Uh, he's, you know, he's, he's kind of been up and down in that regard. But uh, the reason he's having more success now is he's getting a lot of easier looks. He's making life easy on him. And you look at, you know, 20 points on seven shots, that's, uh, you know, the model of efficiency right there. The Shockers now find themselves alone in second place in the league. Houston is at 6-1 and one in conference play. Shockers are at 4-1 and one and, of course, lost the game this past Sunday at SMU, although that has been rescheduled for later in the season. Current Kinpom 71, and if you look at these NCAA tournament projections, they're starting to creep in. I believe they're the next four out of Joe Lunardi at ESPN. They're in Jerry Palm's bracket at CBS Sports. They're in the athletic uh, bracket. 
bracket that I looked at today. We're going to talk to CJ Moore from The Athletic here in just a second. But I think the video that everyone was the most excited about is after beating Tulsa by 19 points, we saw guys... 20 minutes, an hour after the game, out working on their game, shooting, trying to get better. You captured that on Twitter. And, and just talk maybe more big picture what this team's attitude is right now and as we start to kind of see the narrative change a little bit to potentially make an NCAA tournament run. Yeah, and I mean, it's not... Um, somebody asked me this after the game. Was They were like, well, this is... I mean, you've, you've seen players come back on the floor before, and... Uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, I've seen that. Like Landry Shamit came out. I remember one game he went like 0 for 7, and he was back out on the floor for, you know, 30, 45 minutes after the game. But it wasn't consistent. Like, um, I mean, that was just after one game. Um, you know, Ricky Council, Jaden Seymour are out on the court after every one of these home games. You know, uh, what was it? The um, Cincinnati game. They were out there. Uh, for like two or three hours after the the end of the game, so like they they are really making a concerted effort. Um, you know that's when I talked to you know Ricky's old coaches back in North Carolina, and they just said that work ethic is why he's able to have the success that he's having is because he practices religiously and he just puts in so much time and effort. And I think that's the thing that really has impressed me about this group is that you have so many of those guys willing to put in the extra time and. Uh, you know, after after the Tulsa game, like you said, all three of the freshmen were out. Um, you know, Jaden and, and Chauncey, they didn't, they didn't see playing time, but they're out on the floor still working on their game. Uh, Isaiah Porbear Chandler, he comes out. He, he's working on his game for an hour after. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool to see, you know, these players come out and, and put in the extra time even during, you know, the winning streak. And I think that's just a testament to, you know, the, the work ethic in this program and, and what, you know, Isaac Brown is preaching and, uh, yeah, I mean, these guys are playing hard for him, and they really want to see him succeed. They want to see themselves succeed. They believe, um, kind of like what I wrote about in my story this this last week, I mean, they always believe they could be, you know, a good team. Like, this really isn't that much of a surprise to them being 4-1 and one in the conference and one of the best teams. Like, they always viewed themselves like this. It's just, you know, from the outside looking in with all that offseason drama, uh, trying to replace so many different players, getting an interim head coach. Um, from the outside looking in, it looks like a lot, but these guys have handled it so well. That's a credit to you know the senior leadership, uh, the the veteran leadership on this team, and and also the coaching staff. And um, so yeah, I mean they they feel like uh, you know this can be a special group. So nothing about this start surprises them. So um, now they're just taking it game by game, and you know they have, they really have a chance to to set themselves up. You know, this next, uh, you know, two or three weeks, if they can, you know, come out with a winning record, uh, they're, they're really going to be looking strong to, to have a pretty, really high finish in the American. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll be joined by C.J. Moore, who covers college basketball for The Athletic. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. We're joined now by C.J. Moore, who covers college basketball for The Athletic. C.J., how are you today? Doing well. How about you guys? We are doing well. Appreciate you taking the time. Uh, Want to start off just kind of general thoughts on uh, the start to the season here for Wichita State, 8-3, and 4-1 and one in the American Athletic Conference, currently sitting in second place. Uh, you know, had the, the loss at Houston when they're up by 10 in the second half, but really has uh, kind of been a surprise here early in the season, particularly with all the off-season headlines that we saw. So just your thoughts overall on this Shocker team. Yeah, I think you have to, you know, if you're a Wichita State fan, you have to be really excited about, about the start and what they've been able to accomplish considering everything that happened in the off-season and, you know, particularly the roster turnover to, to, to lose as many guys as they lost and have, you know, some, some new guys really make a a big impact and um you know you're you're seeing steps for for guys like Tyson and uh Morris Udesi who who have shown progress and um I think you know all around probably a, about as well as you you could expect for Wichita State yeah I see you I don't know how much you've gotten a, a chance to watch WSU but I was just curious you know in the, in the limited uh you know whether it's been on Synergy or watching games live is there anything that stuck out to you, just any differences under, you know, Isaac Brown compared to, to Greg Marshall, just the style of play, 
anything that you've noticed that's kind of jumped off the page to you or anything that you've seen, you know, advanced stats wise, that's kind of stuck out. Nothing in, in particular. Um, you know, obviously they're, they're taking really, really good care of the ball, which is, is, has been big. And, um, you know, I think is, has been a big part of, of their success, but, um, you know, I think that's something that's been characteristic of the program for, for a long time. Um, how, how about you? I'm curious, you know, you honestly get to watch them way more than I do. I've, 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 shot, I've caught a handful of games and, and, and trying to, to keep up with them, but are you seeing any stylistic difference? Yeah. I, mean, I think they're, uh, kind of the way I've been, uh, choosing the word is like, it, it seems like the offense is more free flowing. Uh, I think, and maybe that's just, yeah. you know, a, a result is, you know, Tyson Etienne more, more of his, you know, handprints on the offense, but you know, you're seeing a little more mm-hmm. early threes, whereas, you know, under Marshall, I think, uh, you know, early three and you miss it, you know, you're probably sitting on the bench. So I think they're, they're, they're feeling a little more, uh, comfort, uh, on the offensive end. Uh, there's playing more, a little free flowing, less, you know, sets you're not seeing. Uh, I thought, you know, Marshall did it, you know, obviously his style worked, you know, calling a lot of sets in the half court and, and, uh, trying mm-hmm. to get those guys, uh, you know, easy baskets, but, you know, obviously different styles work. And I think IB is kind of, uh, let these guys, you know, have a little longer leash on the offensive end, and that's kind of, uh, you know, helped their confidence. And um, so, yeah, I think that's probably. And then uh, one of the things I just think uh, talking to those in the program, not having, you know, Marshall around, he was, you know, one of the biggest harp things that he harped on defensive rebounding. And you know, you just can't replace, you know, someone who made that the number one thing every day in practice. And uh, I think that's why you've kind of seen it slip a little bit with uh, WSU this season. Obviously, some of it has to do with personnel too, but um, for sure, I think just having—I think that's one big benefit of having Marshall there was just that's one of the things he he really emphasized. Yeah, I, I think with the with the offense, you know, he was big into like you said his sets and then his motion offense, and um, you know he coached it well. But um, I think with a they're smart to, to kind of unleash them a little bit when you got a senior point guard in Altry Gilbert, who's, who's been around, you know, and is kind of a feel type guy. And then, um, you know, getting Tyson as many shots as, as possible is, is obviously smart. And my, my daughter, you know, she, she'd weigh in on, on what she thinks of the shockers. <laughs> <laughs> Apologize there. No worries. CJ, uh, Houston is currently number eight in the country in the AP poll that was released today. Seems they'd be obviously solidly in the NCAA tournament, but then from there, it gets a little intriguing in the AAC, Wichita state certainly making a strong case. SMU's had some games postponed Tulsa be in the mix as well. Um, but as far as from your perspective, how many teams from the conference make the tournament this year, knowing that, you know, we still, have half a season of conference play to go i'd say probably three's the max um you know two or three is what i would probably think um i i feel like it's too early to start looking at bracketology stuff i know we've put ryan bennett's been hard at work putting some brackets off for us i'll be honest i haven't <laughs> looked at them yet but um I don't know. I think it'd be hard for the league to, to get more than, than three. Would you, would you guys agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that the, I think they're just going to kind of cannibalize themselves with, you know, WSU, SMU, Tulsa. Those are kind of the three that I would think would have a mm-hmm. shot. And I think, I mean, if they just beat up on each other, obviously WSU has a sweep over Tulsa. So that's, that's kind of a key thing for them. So, um, but I mean, at the end of the day, they're not going to have, you know, a marquee win. I just don't think the conference really presents a chance at a marquee win outside of Houston. So um, I think that's going to be the thing that, that holds them back. And I would agree. I mean, I think two is, is, um, is what I would say at this moment, I think whoever, you know, if Houston doesn't win the conference tournament, then obviously the conference tournament winner, and then maybe whoever finishes second, if you have a conference tournament. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Which We don't really know at this point. Um, I, I think the other thing that's hurt the league and, um, you know, they, 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 ha- they didn't do great in the non-conference. And Tulsa, a team that's, you know, been good the last couple of years in the AAC, like, I think, you know, this this would have hurt them last year, too, that in the in the non-conference last season, like, they lost to UT Arlington. I'm looking at their thing right now. UT Arlington, Arlen- Arkansas State, Arkansas, which isn't terrible. Colorado State, eh, okay. And K-State, which wasn't great. So, you know, while that, like, they, they had some – it wasn't a lock that Tulsa was going to make the tournament last year, even though they had like, you know, 
if you watch them in the AAC, any competent basketball person, if you watch that team in like February or Mar- early March, like you like, oh, that looks like an NCAA tournament team. But the resume, it mm-hmm. might have made it tough. And, and here we are again. You know, they drew up a game to TCU to start the year, lose to a pretty crummy SEC South Carolina team. Um, you know, that, and those are just not good losses to, to, to start off with. And um, when that's going to be one of your better teams in the league, I, I think that hurts everybody else. And I was curious, big picture wise, uh, you kind of look down the road and, uh, you know, obviously Isaac Brown has done an incredible job just to get them to this point. But um, I wanted to run kind of a hypothetical by you. If so, let's say WSU finishes, uh, you know, top three in the conference, you'd have to imagine IB is probably named coach of the year in, in that regard. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of people had them, you know, in that six, seven, eight range coming in and with all the drama he had to deal with. So they, let's say they, um, you know, they're on the bubble of the NCAA tournament. They're at least getting talked about. Um, let's say they make it, but then they get bounced the first round. Where do you think Isaac Brown, do you think at that point WSU just has to say, I mean, this guy knows what he's doing. I mean, if we're going to hire a coach, we're going to hope he can do, you know, the job that IB did this season. I just, I guess, where do you think he would kind of play himself into, you know, being the future long-term coach? Or do you think no matter what he does, you know, they're going to have a search committee and, uh, or have a national search and, and try to uh, get the best coach possible. What What's kind of your thoughts on, uh, you know, how this season impacts what Wichita State should do with uh, Isaac Brown? I think he's going to put himself in the conversation. You know, if, if they continue on the track they're on right now, I think he at least puts himself in the conversation. And, um, you know, you, you don't know what the thinking is there, whether they, they already, you know, they might already have their guy that they've targeted and want and if, you know, maybe kind of approached in back channels um, or, or maybe they don't, maybe they're, they're going to give, you know, an ID a, a real shot at it. But um, I think when, you know, when you get to the end, if, if, if they continue on the path they're on and let's say they are an NCAA tournament team, then, then he at least has to, to get a look. I, I think, you know, for one, you know, they're going to return a lot of these young guys that I think he, you know, played a big part in recruiting and, and, and I think that's part of the reason they're probably playing so hard for him, you know. And um, so, yeah, I, I think he'll be part of the conversation. I'll, I'll ask you again, what do you think, Taylor? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I really haven't heard much on, uh, you know, what what their long-term plan is. I've just heard from, uh, you know, once all that stuff went down with Marshall that, you know, we're going to, you know, let this season play out and then we're going to start, mm-hmm. you know, after the season in March. So I don't know, kind of like what you said, Um uh, I mean, I, I have to do more digging to see if they've, uh, you know, made any, any. Uh, I'm sure they've they've done their due diligence, and you know, Boatwright has a list of of you know uh, coaching candidates. But like you said, I mean, I think um, the more that this team plays together and keeps winning, and um, you know, the way that they're coming together under Coach Brown, I think uh, you have to take a serious look at that, and and, uh, and and really consider that going forward. If you know, if they keep him, I think. Uh, Tyson Waterman is another huge key to this too is you know he's the one that did a lot of the recruiting for these players uh, you know Ricky Council Tyson Etienne guys like that I mean he's done a lot of big time recruiting for WSU so keeping him on staff is another big big reason um, you know all those those guys are here so but I mean at the, at the end of the day you know if you're if you're an athletic director you have to take a look and uh, you know take a, a deep breath and look at the long-term picture for WSU uh, yes that would be great in the short term but you know there's there's gonna be questions about uh you know Isaac Brown he's he hasn't done it before at the head coach level but you know he's obviously proving himself right now so I I guess that's just the question in my mind if if you go to Chris Jans and you and he says okay I'll come if the money's right that's a tough uh you know position I think any WSU fan before all this happened would say oh we'll take Chris Jans in a heartbeat but you know with uh, now that IB is you know coaching them up and uh, they're playing hard for him. I think that's more of a question. So yeah, it's. I was just curious on like a more of a national perspective. Uh, what uh, what what kind of names do you think they could attract? And uh, I'd be interested to see. You know, if if they would uh, if they do hire outside, uh, do they go outside the Greg Marshall coaching tree, or or do they try to to keep someone with WSU ties? So that's it'll be interesting to see how it plays yeah. out for sure. I I think with the way it went down, um they shouldn't hesitate and wouldn't hesitate to like go outside the tree. Not saying you have to, but, but, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they, they look outside the tree, but 
um, you, you made a good point that you, you have to look long-term and that's smart, but you know, maybe, maybe he's the one that's, that's a, you know, the long-term, um, answer. You, you, you might eventually come to that. And, um, you know, it, it used to be that it, it kind of stinks that we're in a, we're at a point in college basketball where like assistants don't get as, get as a shot as, as often as they used to, I feel like, like, mm-hmm. um, can you imagine like, okay, let's stay in the state of Kansas. In 1988, Kansas went out and hired an assistant coach to be its head coach. <laughs> Can you imagine that happening today in college basketball for a program um, like a Kansas or or a North Carolina or anything like that to go out and hire an assistant? Like it just it just wouldn't happen. And I do think there are a lot of capable assistants out there that that could do a great job and. Um, you know, it's cool that, that Isaac's getting this opportunity and, and, um, if, if he doesn't get the Wichita state job, like he's doing himself a huge favor this mm-hmm. year and that he's probably going to get an opportunity somewhere, but by, sure. by what he's done this year. Yeah. And a lot of people have said too, um, or have said like, okay, if he was that good, he would have got a head coaching job by now. And I guess the counter to that would be, he could have got, I mean, I've, I've talked to him before and he said he's, you know, he's interviewed for jobs and I think he mentioned, um, on uh, some radio show with Mike Kennedy that he actually had a job offered to him this off season and he turned it down because, mm-hmm. you know, he just uh, really likes that the spot at Wichita state and he's not going to leave just for any head coaching job. And I think that's a big part of, you know, coaching success is, you know, being picky and choosing with your next job and, you know, setting yourself up for success. So um, for the people who kind of criticize him or saying, okay, 19 years as assistant head or assistant coach, um, you know, if he was that good, he'd be offered by now. And, I would just counter back with, I mean, he could have been a head coach by now. Um, but like you said, I mean, he's, he's definitely coaching his way into a, a full-time head coaching job, whether that's at Wichita state or somewhere else. Cause he's a good recruiter. Uh, he's obviously can relate to players and, and gets them to play hard for him. So it's, uh, I think he's got a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, checks in the, you know, if you're going down the list of things you want as a head coach, he, he checks off a lot of those boxes. CJ, the Shockers have had two games already postponed due to COVID reasons when they play South Florida this Sunday. It'll be the Bulls' first game in 15 days. In your opinion, how do you think the next you know, six, seven weeks is going to look like? Are they going to be able to make up all of these games? Or when it comes time to make a bracket for the NCAA tournament, you know, how are they going to gauge if a team has played maybe 15 games versus 22 games in your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to have to depend a lot on the numbers. Um, and I, I don't think they'll get, you know, I I don't, I think if a team gets in like 90% of the games they had scheduled, that's probably a success. Um, I do think these conferences are going to try everything they can to, to, to get them all played, but there'll just be certain areas where like, you just can't pull it off. Um, you know, I, I've I've heard it floated like skipping a conference tournament and, and using that week to, to make up games. That makes sense too, especially in these bigger leagues. Um, you know, even the AAC, I, I guess, I guess because you're only getting maybe two, three bids, maybe it makes sense to have your conference tournament because maybe then you get another team in. But, um, you know, in these bigger leagues, I feel like most of the time the team that's going to win your conference tournament was already going to be in. Um, so you might as well try to get, you know, play as much of the schedule as you can. We appreciate you taking the time, CJ. Our listeners can follow CJ on Twitter at CJ Moore Hoops. You can also subscribe to The Athletic and read his work there, as well as a lot of great coverage on the other teams across the Midwest and our Kansas City Chiefs, who are in the AFC Championship for a third consecutive year. Thanks for the time, CJ. Thanks, CJ. Thanks, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. We'll move now into our preview of Wichita State's matchup on Thursday at Memphis. The Tigers are 6-5 and five on the year, 2-2 two and two in the AAC. They lost at Tulsa by one yesterday, which was Sunday, 58-57. And Tulsa actually has handed Memphis both of its conference losses. Current Kinpom is 68. Uh, game tips at 6 p.m. and will be broadcast on ESPN2. Uh, they did beat USF by one. They had three straight games there in conference that were postponed. So kind of a, a crazy year for everyone, but particularly for this Memphis team, how the, the schedule is shaking out. Uh, you know, don't really know what to make of them just yet. Yeah, their offense is just really, really struggling. You look at the last three games, 49 points, 58 points, 57 points. So Kind of the opposite story of, you know, what Wichita State has seen. You know, the Shockers have been one of the better offensive teams 
in the conference. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a really disappointing start for Memphis considering, uh, you know, the, the preseason hype that they had. Uh, you know, they had hopes of being a top 25 team, uh, brought in another good recruiting class. And, uh, I mean, they thought they would be, you know, right up there with Houston for, for the conference title. And that's just not it's not translated so far. You know, they are just turning the ball over. Uh, like no one's business. Uh, I think more than 25% of their possessions are ending in turnover. So, you know, you're losing a quarter of your possessions for the game without even getting a shot up. I mean, that's just not good. They're really struggling from the line. Uh, can't shoot from outside. So, yeah, they just uh, really struggling to score. But their defense is really, really good. Uh, like we saw last year, you know, they play that, that uh, in-your-face pressure defense. They really put uh, the pressure on... Uh, opponents to make the right decision and quickly so if you don't make quick decisions and you know move without the ball and get the ball out of your hands quickly they're going to make you pay for it so um, it's going to be a challenge for WSU but uh, you know Memphis is going to try to you know muck up this game keep it in the, the the high 50s low 60s where they're comfortable and WSU you know they're going to try to get loose and uh, you know play a little up tempo more up tempo game and and score quite a few points so um, I think that's kind of what it's going to come down to is which style wins out. Memphis averages 70.7 points per game. They're giving up 63.5. They shoot at 41.8% from the field, 30% from three, and 62% from the line. You talked about all the turnovers. They're averaging 15.5 turnovers per game. They're also getting 9.4 steals per game. So that speaks to the pressure, and they are plus seven in rebounding margin. I feel like we have the same conversation every year about Memphis, that they should be <laughs> you know, playing above, and everyone keeps saying this is going to be the year that Memphis breaks out, uh, you know, I certainly respect uh, uh, Coach Hardaway, and and we've we've been able to watch Memphis a few times this year. They do play kind of that sloppy, very aggressive type basketball that we saw. You know, I would say maybe Houston plays a little bit as well. So I, I would completely agree with you that it's really going to come down to how the Shocker guards are able to handle that pressure and can they take care of business on the glass? Something we've talked about all season long. Yeah, and you know Memphis, the potential is there. I mean, they've they've scored you know eighty plus. Um, looking at it now, four times this season. So, you know the 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 potency there is there for the offense to to get after it. But um, you know, just big picture wise, you know they just have not looked you know comfortable. Uh, they just have so much talent on the offensive end. It's you know it's kind of bizarre that they're you know stuck in this trap because you would think that with that much talent. Uh, you know, Landers Nolly is a big-time scorer. DJ Jeffries was, you know, a highly-rated recruit. Uh, you know, Lester Canona is another big guy. Uh, Boogie Ellis, you know, all these guys are big-time offensive recruits. And uh, just uh, confusing why it hasn't come together for them. Um, so WSU's got to, you know, they can't just, you know, walk into this game thinking like, okay, if we get 65, we're going to win. Uh, you know, Memphis is a plenty-capable team. Uh, I think they're a team that's capable of beating anyone in this conference, but you know, on the flip side, they're also capable of losing to anybody in this conference too. So uh, you look at um, early on, you know, they lost to Tulsa twice. Uh, obviously, WSU has swept Tulsa, so uh, this is a game that WSU has got to, you know, like its chances. Uh, you know, they're catching them early, where they they haven't really uh, figured things out yet. So. Um, a good chance for WSU to come in here and get a big road win. And like you said, they're actually rated ahead of them in Ken Palm. So games like this, or this is how you move up in Ken Palm, how you move up in those advanced analytics sites is, you know, beating those uh, middle tier teams on the road. That's, that's how you, if you rack those up, that's how you move up. Shocker fans will remember Alex Lomax, former Shocker recruit. He's a junior now, so I'll make you feel old. But uh, uh, he's you know another uh, one of their defensive specialists out there. But just going back to what you said, it's such a huge opportunity for the Shockers. We've talked about you need to grind up as many of these road wins as possible, and also with this game against Memphis and USF, you can kind of start to elevate yourself in the conference standings. There, basically lock yourself into you know a top three or four position hopefully that second place spot that uh, you know would start to get some respect in more of these NCAA tournament projections as well yeah absolutely and that's I mean uh, just take care of business against the the middle tier and uh, and then you're gonna you know really set yourself up or you know anything uh, extra on top of that it's just going to be gravy so I mean they've already had two really good wins in the bank with uh, Tulsa you know that's a team that's looking like a you know a top contender you know, WSU is the only team that's beaten Tulsa so far in conference play. So, 
Um, those two wins are looking really, really nice, and they can they can add to them this week. You know, at at Memphis, and then if they can get that sweep on South Florida too, that's that's another one that would be good uh, to have in the bank. And then looking ahead at Cincinnati, you know, if they can sweep them again, you know, you have to think that Cincinnati is going to put together some kind of run here where they're not going to finish, uh, you know, in the bottom bottom three of the conference where they're at right now. So um, if they can get that, those ones early. Uh, that's going to be crucial, you know, because you, you probably don't want to face Cincinnati in February if they figure it out and turn a corner. So if WSU can, you know, put two L's on them in January, that's going to be huge. Memphis will visit Wichita on February 18th. If you had to make a prediction on this one, who you got? Yeah, I just can't trust Memphis's offense. I just I don't know if they can score enough points to uh, uh, to hold up with uh, with WSU. I know Kim Palm has it actually as a WSU loss in this one. He only gives them a 41 percent uh, win probability. But I think WSU. I think uh, with the way that they're playing, they've been able to play enough uh, defense to get the job done. I think the offense is just uh, you know it's it's just playing too well. To I mean I just think the chances of of them scoring 65 plus are way better than Memphis. So I'm gonna go WSU 68 to 62 on this one. Memphis is at a crossroads in my opinion. They're six and five, two and two in the conference. Memphis is a proud basketball school, so you're already starting to hear you know what's wrong with Penny or is this another year where we're gonna underachieve or under you know um, versus what things were expected in the preseason. There, I think Wichita State also takes care of business. I think they win by you know seven or so. Let's say seventy two to uh, sixty five, just because uh, you know the eight days off have a little opportunity to get your legs back under you hopefully you know continue to work in practice and and take care of business on the road at memphis then they'll have the game sunday at home against usf the bulls are seven and five and three and three in the aac game tips at 5 p.m on espnu there's something else going on sunday at 5 p.m as well oh that's right that's the afc championship so not sure if uh, i'll be tuned in to, <laughs> two to TVs, this one here two TVs. but you uh, got this. <laughs> This was, if you remember, earlier in the season, Wichita State won 82-77 in overtime. They gave up the big lead, but were able to get the win. Uh, Ken Palm ranked number 100 for the Bulls. Your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, this is a game that WSU really has to win. I mean, this is, uh, you know, they they beat them on the road. So to to come back and complete the sweep at home, that's going to be big. For WSU, and uh, I mean, this is a game where I think they've—I don't think they lost to them at home. So, uh, you know, if you're going to be a conference championship contender, you got to have this one at, at home. And uh, you know, South Florida is another team where that just hasn't—you know—reached the potential that I thought they had coming into the season. They had a lot of returners back. Uh, they got Alexis Yetna back. They had a four-star recruit and Caleb Murphy. He's been good, but you know, it just the pieces haven't come all the way together and uh this is another team that you know lost to Tulsa at home uh lost to Memphis on the road they were up I watched that game they were up like six with uh, not a lot of time left and they just kind of uh you know let that one get away from them at the end so uh this is a team that also kind of struggles to to put up points so I think again you know WSU's offense the way they, they're able to shoot the ball um I think this is uh it, it looks good for WSU but they're gonna have to bring you know a pretty good effort to to get the job done and but it all just comes down to, you know, protecting home court. You know, you can't lose these games at home if you want to get to the NCAA tournament and if you want to, you know, compete for a championship. Here's the interesting thing about this game for USF. They've had two consecutive postponements, so this will be their first game in 15 days. You know, Wichita State has had a little bit of a break here with the SMU cancellation, but the first game for the Bulls in 15 days. This has been another matchup for the Shockers that, you know, yes, they've had some success, but it's always an ugly, kind of mucked-up game. Of course, the Bulls have a lot of length on their front line, and rebounding will be a key again. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's almost similar to the the first Tulsa game where you know Tulsa had that that ten day layoff because of COVID issues and uh, you know they they caught them on a pretty long layoff and uh, you kind of saw you know when WSU got up by 20, 20 on them so uh, maybe that could be the case here where you know there's a long layoff uh, you know they might be a little rusty coming into this game and that might be an advantage for WSU so um, they're just gonna have to come out with a strong effort and. You know, they can't let, um, like we talked about, you know, offensive rebounding is huge. And, you know, they have that big offensive, uh, that front line. So 
Um, you know, keeping them off the glass, keeping them uh, the second chances limited. It's going to be crucial for WSU, and um, you know that's that's going to be the case for a lot of these games. It's just how well you know they're able to defense a rebound and, and keep teams out of transition. Those are kind of the two overarching themes of the season: keeping teams out of transition, defense rebounding. USF and Memphis are almost identical when it comes to their stats. USF shoots at 42% from the field and 34% from three. They're also not very good at the line. They're shooting 61% on the season. They're plus 6.8 in rebounding margin, but they're averaging 14.8 turnovers. So, you know, a, a big week for the shocker guards to take care of the basketball and for our big guys to work on rebounding. And I think you, you're looking at a, a 2-0 week. But uh, if you had to make a prediction on this one, who you got? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, I think uh, WSU with the way that they're playing now, um, I agree. I think they're playing uh, playing well, and they're they're capable of coming out of this week two and zero. So I think um, I'm going to predict it. I think uh, they take care of business at home. I'll uh, I'll go WSU seventy five to sixty six over USF. That'd be a high scoring game for a USF matchup. Although we said that last time, and it was eighty two seventy seven because of the overtime period. I think it'll be a little lower. I'm gonna say seventy to sixty four. Shockers win. Uh, next week they'll play at Cincy and then have a home matchup with Central Florida. Buy or sell time, producer Brian. I want to talk a little bit about the scheduling. So we already saw the SMU game get rescheduled, but we have yet to hear about an East Carolina rescheduling. I know they had their last game postponed against Cincinnati. I wasn't sure if that was East Carolina, but this Sunday when Wichita State would have played SMU, it was an open weekend for East Carolina. Did the American miss an opportunity to try and get that game rescheduled and played? Oh, they're actually shut down right now. They're completely shut down. Yeah, they have COVID issues. So. Oh, man. Yeah, so, so yeah, that's... I will sell that. Yeah. <laughs> sell that. Sell. <laughs> yeah. So I wasn't I wasn't sure if they... So, I mean, yeah. that. I mean, is there the possibility that their season might even just be done for a while then? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think... I mean, from the, the men's side, it seems like everyone's pretty committed to at least, you know, finishing out the season. Yeah. Um, You've seen a few of the women's programs actually, you know, shut down their season in the American and, and across the country. So, uh, you know, I, I've asked and uh, the response I've gotten is that everyone's pretty committed to at least trying to finish it out at the very least. You know, I think there's a very good chance that some of these teams are not going to, you know, get the full 20 game slate. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it's looking like, you know, WSU, they're going to play that back to back in Wichita. Uh, if I had to guess right now, and that's probably a good thing for I mean, I, I would. Yes, uh, WSU likes that better than going to Greenville. So, you know, getting two games at home back-to-back uh, -back will be kind of a you know an interesting setup, uh, playing back-to-back -back days, kind of get you ready for a conference tournament if that happens. But that would be my guess. I think guess. they switch colors of uniforms. You know, <laughs> one day they wear the roads and one day they wear the whites. Yeah, so I think it'll be a, a good uh, a good little uh, tune-up, uh, you know, in mid-February. But I think the WSU, they'd probably rather have that than, than you know, split them up and, and go to Greenville. Yeah. So one of the things I've been looking at and trying to determine is, you know, where is the edge for Wichita State? What is it that's really getting them over over the hump as far as their wins? You know, their shooting is okay, but it's not great. It's it's just under 41%. Their three-point shooting is okay. It's not great. It's 32%. So there's not super offensively efficient. Um, their turnover margin, you know, they're, they're doing a little bit better, you know, 11.7 versus 13 for the opponents. So 1.3 margin there, their points off of turnovers are, are about three and a half more than their opponents. So there's something there, but maybe not super consistent. They've struggled a bit rebounding. So I'm, I'm, my question for you is buy or sell is, is this team's really key features, just their ability to hold teams below their scoring shooting percentages or do they have something else going on i'm gonna sell that i think the shockers biggest you know advantage right now is their depth just look at this show you know Three weeks ago, we were talking about the play of Tyson Etienne. Last week, we were talking about the play of Ricky Council. This week, we're talking about the play of Morris Udeze. We've started to get more from Dexter Dennis and Trey Wade. We see flashes from Craig Porter and uh, from some of the other guys on the team, a poor bear Chandler. And so it's just every single game. You can't just game plan to take one of them away because let's say you take Tyson away, then there's other guys that have been stepping up and taking care of business. That's at least, in my opinion, their biggest advantage right now. 
Yeah, I'll sell that too. I think if you look at the offense, I mean, that's that's really where they're getting the job done. And uh, CJ Moore kind of uh, pointed it out. You know, they're taking care of the ball at a, just an unbelievable level. You know, they're they're hardly, um, you know, they're they're limiting turnovers in a big way. They're getting to the foul line. If you listen to Isaac Brown, he's mentioned that in the last few press conferences, where this is uh, you know a huge advantage of WSU. They're they're shooting a ton of free throws, and we talked about that on the last podcast too. And I think that's kind of the recipe they're using on the offense. They're a pretty good offensive rebounding too, so uh, team two. So they're getting second chances. Uh, they're shooting a decent percentage, uh, and then you know the, the fact is they're just getting up a lot of shots, a lot more shots than their opponents because you know they're they're never turning the ball over, and then uh, you know they're getting to the foul line too. So the defense is just squeaking by. You know, there's not really anything. You look at the effective field goal percentage uh, against conference opponents. Uh, you know they're doing a pretty good good job of defending shots, uh, but you know they're they're not forcing a lot of turnovers. They're giving up a lot of offensive rebounds. Uh, that's you know a work in progress. They've they've gotten better at it, but it's been a, a struggle. Uh, but you know they defended the three point line well too. So um, it's just one of those things where they're they're playing good first shot defense, and uh, you know the 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 way they improve is just rebound better to to limit teams to one shot. Um, so that's that's an, an easy way to you know expand your ceiling. So I think uh, there's a lot of things going on there for WSU. That's, that's kind of their advantage. All right, we talked a little bit about the shooting percentages. Okay, nothing great. So I'm going to give you a little over-under. Over-under for their end-of-year shooting percentage. So they're right around 41 and 32% from three. Do you think they finish higher or lower? I will go higher. I think this team is going to uh, turn it around. We've talked all season about, you know, Dexter Dennis not shooting well, Trey Wade not shooting well. I mean, Trey's shooting 23%, Dexter's at 28%. So I think those numbers uh, come a little bit more back uh, to the norm. I think Dexter ends up around that 35% range, and Trey, uh, you know, he's going to have to shoot well to, to get that back to 30. So I think if he can just get back to the high 20s, and shoot, you know, 35% the rest of the year, um, like I think he can, um, then that's going to make a big uh, impression in those rankings. I think Ricky Council is getting more comfortable shooting from the outside too. So, I mean, he's only taking eight threes right now. So I think you're going to see him take more. Alter Gilbert, you know, shooting 27%. So I think all these guys can shoot better. Um, So I'm going to be an optimist, and I think that those numbers will go up, and uh, I think they outperform those numbers. I'm going to agree with Taylor. I'll take the over. Here's the big reason that we haven't talked about enough on the podcast. Their uh, schedule with regards to conference play really starts to lighten up on the second you know, uh, part of the season here over the next four or five weeks. You get Tulane twice. You hopefully get East Carolina twice. You get Temple twice. And so I think with that, we'll see some higher scoring performances and those numbers will continue to rise. We talked a lot about the depth and different guys stepping up it seems like every week that we get to talk about. So buy or sell the guy this week is going to be Alterique Gilbert. I'll buy that. Um, you know, he really played well at the beginning of the season and kept them in a lot of games. He's the one shocker that can create his shot, you know, better than anyone else on the team, in my opinion. Tyson is getting a lot better than that at that as well. But, uh, you know, he's had a couple that, you know, they seem like they go about 70% of the way down and pop back out or a few right around the rim where it maybe hasn't gone down. Or he's been distributing and doing his job as a point guard and getting it to uh, Udeze like we talked about earlier. But I'll buy that. It's time for him to get hot i'm gonna sell that i would be surprised if he gets going against memphis they have really good uh defenders in the perimeter alex lomax is you know one of the better defenders in the american so i would be surprised south florida uh you know a matchup probably against a freshman um there i wouldn't be surprised if he maybe has a breakout game but i was talking to uh one of the assistant coaches about him and um, he, he really said that he thinks you know a breakout is on the way for al Tariq. they really like uh, you know, he said he wouldn't be surprised if he has like a 25 and 10 game here pretty soon. And, you know, if he just has that breakout game, he, he thinks it's coming. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's something to look for here in the near future. I don't know if it's, if it's going to happen this week. Dustin kind of alluded to, you know, the, the uh, schedule easing up down the stretch. So it would not surprise me if we see, a you know, a monster offensive game from him soon. But this week, I, I don't I wouldn't I wouldn't bet on it, I guess. So I'll, I'll sell that. 
We do have a new addition to our podcast network that we wanted to tell folks about, the Wichita Regional Chamber of Commerce. They've started their Business Accelerator podcast powered by Evergy. It's available now. I believe there'll be a new show coming out each week. Brian has been doing great work here at the Forge Audio Production. So do you want to tell us a little bit more about uh, their podcast? Yeah, so if you are a business owner or business leader, you know, this this is a podcast focused on telling the stories of small businesses and really allowing them to reach a new audience and just the struggles, challenges, and successes that they have. So it's going to be a weekly podcast, comes out every Wednesday. So whatever platform you listen to this podcast on, you can you can find that one, the Wichita Chamber Business Accelerator. The first episode, they interviewed Cheryl Wolford, who is a huge Shocker fan, big Shocker supporter. Uh, her and her husband run Automation Plus, and kind of a neat story there. And uh, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of Wichita, just as much as I'm a fan of Wichita State, and enjoy uh, hearing stories about what's going on in the community. So look look forward to that work there. What else uh, do we got coming up at Kansas.com? I know you said you have a uh, a piece on Morris. Any anything else uh, coming out this week? Yeah, that, that was the big one. I, I talked to his trainers, like I said, back in Houston and just kind of talked about, um, you know, what he what work he's doing in the offseason, his perseverance to kind of, you know, stick through, trust the process. And now it's kind of uh, paying, paying off for him right now. So, yeah, just kind of a deeper look on on Mo Udeze and um, and then we'll just have, you know, preview stuff. We're talking to Coach Brown on Tuesday, uh, local media. So we'll have uh, more stuff coming out of that. And um yeah, always looking for, you know, story ideas. If you want to hit me up on Taylor Eldridge, if you want on Twitter, uh, if you want to, you know, if you have story ideas or would like to read about something or just have a question about, you know, WSU basketball, anything like that, feel free to reach out. We're already halfway through January here, so, you know, it just keeps keeps ticking along uh, here with this Shocker season as we go towards March. As John Rothstein says, you know, we'll sleep in, I guess, May. Then, that would May. Be, but uh, <laughs> who knows? Yeah, who, who knows at this point? But uh, have a great week. Thanks for listening. And what should they do? Rate us five stars. This show is part of the ICT Podcast Network. For more information, visit ictpod.net.